it's not it's not sexy until you see it and then you're like how yes give me that i want i that number that's what that's what's going to happen if i do this this and this on a on a monthly basis daily basis yes that's the number you're going to end up at yes i want that now it gets real sexy they can't unsee it they love it but if you <laughs> everyone wants to ignore it at first but yeah it's uh it's extremely important you're listening to the Catching Clients podcast, where the smartest minds from the world of professional services and marketing come and share the strategies that they use to consistently attract and catch their ideal big fish clients so you can learn to do the same. So grab your gear and join me, Adam King, the captain at Think Like a Fish and creator of the client catching ecosystem, and let's go fishing. Hey, hello, and welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. What if I told you that uh, your business holds untapped revenue streams that could multiply your income and help you rapidly scale your business? That's not just a bold statement. It's 100% true because it's exactly what my guest today, Jake Ulkas, is a master at doing. Jake is co-founder and chief revenue growth consultant at Profit Ignition, where he helps his clients develop the ultimate four-week growth plan to deliver more sales, more profit, and more impact. Now, this guy has a serious talent that allows him to dig deep into a business, identify and optimize its unique strengths and assets in a totally unique way. And said another way, basically, Jake is a master at finding the hidden equity in your business. The kind that's been there all along, but as business owners, we're usually just too close to see it. And to be honest, a little bit too stressed to cash it in. So Jake helps relieve that pressure and he does it in a way that typically results in an additional six or seven figures in revenue. And that's all without adding complexity, paid ads or, or any kind of expenses. Now, Jake uses a totally different approach to growing your business and one that few people realize exists and one that even fewer people ha have the expertise um, you know, to actually simplify it into a repeatable process that anyone can follow, which is why I'm absolutely delighted to be able to say, Jake, welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah. So Jake, there's, there's, there's so many things that I'm, I'm looking forward to asking you questions around today, but why don't you just give us the, the short sort of brief background on, on who you are and, and sort of how you've got to where you are today. Yeah, I will try to be very brief. Uh, <laughs> it's um, uh, about 16, 17 years in the making uh, that brought me to today. Um, I'm a corporate runaway. So I started um, in heavy corporate uh, marketing and leadership roles, um, brand management, stuff like that from everything from, um, you know, running smaller divisions to working on, you know, multinational billion dollar projects. Um, you know, but I, that's where I really kind of cut my teeth on how to impact small to medium sized businesses. Um, I was in charge of um, upwards of 3,500 businesses across the Western hemisphere that, um, you know, we we're tasked at growing them at, at a, at a, at an acceptable growth rate with barely any budget. So that's kind of how I developed my skills of always kind of looking inside the business and finding what is actually already built inside the business that we can use to actually really, really impact, um, you know, the bottom line and capture more market share. Um, you know, I've owned an agency and I sold that a handful of years ago. We we're a full, you know, national big brand marketing agency. We worked on very large, known brands, but uh, just really wasn't what I loved. I wanted to get back to impacting small, um, small businesses and really kind of having a seat at the table and really kind of, you know, seeing, you know, what levers I can pull to really make huge change. So that brought me to what I do today, which is owning consultancies, um, helping people find their hidden equity, helping businesses kind of um, develop new operating systems for their, for the companies in order to have mass impact. 
So I, I'm yeah. sure like anyone listening, I, I, I need to know what this head and e equity idea is and, and what it actually means and what it looks like. So do you want to sort of dive into that and tell us what that looks like and maybe give an example of, of someone that you've been able to get this head and hidden equity out for? Yeah, so um, with profit ignition, um, you know, our, our idea behind hidden equity and our idea behind kind of a new operating system is that, um, you know, if you've been in business for any amount of time, if you're running a business, you're doing 20, 30, 40, $50,000, more than a year in business, have sales, have data, um, most likely you are not capturing the kind of profits that you, you could be. And that's just out of that's just out of being a reactionary based business. You're growing. You're built a business that is operating the same way it was when you did ten thousand dollars a month. Now you're doing fifty, hundred thousand. Um, you're just reactionary mode. So what that means is that you're typically going out and trying to figure out how to always bring in new and how to always um, develop something new. And you're chasing tactics. And you're trying new strategies. And you're trying all this stuff. But what you're failing to do is realize you're failing to look backwards and look at the equity that you have created within your market. And because everyone's always trying to add new. So what we do is that we look at expansion. We look at what is the equity in your business from, um, you know, looking at your sales data, looking at the amount of clients that you have, the type of clients that you have, um, the products and services that you're selling. You know, there's a saying called, you know, there's a saying, I heard not so long ago, but I just absolutely love it. How do you sell your sawdust? And so it's kind of like, you know, if you're, if you're in the wood business you're, and you own a sawmill, you're focused on selling wood, which there's absolute gold all over the floor. And that's what we focus on. We focus on helping people kind of identify the gold that's on their floor and really kind of take it to the bank and cash it in. So um, it's kind of like the, the, the things that you almost think is the byproduct of what you do, and you don't mm -hmm. realize that there is potential value in just that, that alone. It's, it's kind of like, what is it, ethanol that became uh, mm -hmm. out of corn. Mm -hmm. or something i think that's what it is but um that was a, a byproduct of something else and again that's like the sawdust that uh, so do you have an example then of someone in a in a business that's mm -hmm. uh, not chopping wood but that maybe is offering a service or something like that and how they've been able to find that hidden equity yeah so um you know not too long ago we have a, we have a client that you know of course just like everyone that's out there selling services or products or goods they have multiple products and, you know, the problem is, is that they're all in these fulfillment silos. No matter if you think that they're congruent and connected, the way that you fulfill on them is, is slightly different. So that's adding variables to your business. So what we did is that we went into this business and they were, they were a good performing business doing about three to $400,000 a year with two employees, you know, two full-time people. Um, so it's a decent sized business. And, um, and so we went in and we actually looked at the profitability across all of their offerings and their time fulfillment and just the process of you know, labor loads. I mean, everything. And we identified really the product that is really the big driver of profit in the business. And, and it, you know, it's typically not what people think because they do back in the napkin calculations and that fails to capture all the metrics that are required to really measure the true profitability. Um, but what we did then is that we just focused on removing the other, on the other products, focusing on that product, but expanding that fulfillment line and allowing us now to birth multiple products, services, and, and, and capture points out of that single product, that single offer that they're doing. So now, you know, we removed the other products that had different fulfillment lines that were adding variable, you know, driving down profit, adding stress and management issues. 
And then we actually expanded and enhanced the offer that was really, you know, driving all the profit um, and allowed them to actually almost replace all those products again with the single fulfillment line. Um, what this does is that it completely removes all the variables in the business. Um, you know exactly how you're going to fulfill on every single person that comes into your business. And every person that comes in is focused on hitting just that one goal that you're offering for that high profit, you know, high profit, not high ticket necessarily, but high profit offer. Um, and that really kind of allows you to focus in on pure success, building those long-term relationships. Again, having that person stick with your business and planning a journey for them. That means you'll be working with them from 18 months, you know, 24 months, however long you want to work with them, but really capturing just a massive amount of profit during that journey versus always just kind of, you know, one hit, one off kind of sales that typically people get into when they're reactionary. So Yeah, so it sounds like you're very much focused on the profit rather than just the top line revenue. That old saying of, uh, you know, revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, that kind of thing. So oh, yeah. it's looking at the numbers and, and almost sort of going in with, a bit of a, a, a financial analyst's view of things, looking at what mm -hmm. that product is, uh, that mm -hmm. profit is, and then sort of seeing, well, actually, there's no point in you doing this. You're actually losing money on this sort of area. You need exactly. to chop that, focus on this, and simplify the way that you do it. Is that, yep. is that sort of how you, how you work from the, you know, the, the very high level? Yes, absolutely. So um, I, I, you know, one of my favorite things is like to say simplify and explode. If you can actually kind of figure out how to, how to, again, remove the variables, it allows you just to run faster and, and harder at your goals. But from a financial standpoint, yes, it is a, it is a kind of, it is a profit model. I mean, we, we rebuild the profit model of the company. And a lot of times what we find is just like you said, um, you know, we have clients that, you know, let's say they're selling something for $10,000 and they're selling something for $3,000. Well, you know, the $10,000, as far as a management load, a stress load, um, really kind of lower profits, all these things, you know, if you're chasing vanity, how many times can you sell the 10,000? If you're chasing profits, we discovered that your $3,000 product is actually much more profitable and the velocity is like four x with the ten with the you know ten thousand people can move through this machine much faster, and then we can carry them into the expansion side of the business because that's where you make to get people into the expansion side is really where a business really starts to really kind of churn some massive massive power because it's you know it's all in retention. But um, but yeah, it's it's a um, you know my my partner Bo Murray is you know a a financial genius when it comes to optimizing a business for profit from an operational standpoint. So, um, you know, a lot of what we do and the thing that's really eye-opening is, is the rebuilding of the profit model of a business. And, and people, you know, it's not sexy to talk about, you know, and when we talk about it, people's eyes kind of glaze over because they just want sales, you know. But um, when we actually show them the power of, um, of what can be done if we flow people and money through their business in a different way, they can't unsee it. I mean, they cannot unsee it. It's like, Yes, you think you need 15 clients a month in order to actually hit your goals? No, you actually need four. You're just doing it. You're just not looking at it the right way. Let us show you how, how we would actually do this. And, you know, and that's her true story. I mean, we have a client that went from 15 down to a required four and got about 20, you know, two hours back out of the week of her time and is actually, is actually now in a run, run rate of about 3x what she was doing before she started with us. So it's... Um, yeah, just looking at your business in a different way is pretty powerful. Yeah, because I think so many of us are, we caught up in you know, wanting more, as you say, right, the, 
I need more revenue or I need more clients or I need this. And so we don't necessarily have the time to step back and actually look at the inner workings of the business because it it happens so often that you don't necessarily, first of all, you don't always know what's in front of you. Um, I heard um, it was, this has been told to me by someone and, and I've heard it in a number of places. You can't read the label of the bottle from the inside out. Yep. And sometimes you just need to be able to, have somebody that can that can come in and look and and point out what could be obvious but maybe it's not mm-hmm. and it's optimizing what you've already had because there's almost no point in going for something new or something different if you haven't spent the time either to make the most of what you've already got or maximize the return of either a tactic or a strategy or whatever it is that you're currently using um mm-hmm. I'm sure you, as a consultant, that uh, you've you've worked over the years with with people that sort of come back and want to have a new idea, and you sort of turn around to them and says, "Well, you haven't done anything with the last five I gave you, so right, um, right, you know, right. why why do you need a new idea?" Um, so once you've got somebody optimized, you then talk about the expansion piece. Mm-hmm. What does that expansion piece look like? The expansion piece, um, again, it's, it's once we get them onto kind of your fulfillment sequence, once we actually figure out a way to get your, your prospects on the fulfillment sequence, it's, it's how do we actually continue to actually, you know, work them down that line. So expansion growth can come from <clears throat> certain kind of continuity projects um, that make sense that allow them to, again, capture more value from your expertise. Um, it can come from strategic partnerships. A lot of what we do is that, you know, we're looking into um, bringing on some partners that are that are brilliant at certification programs, you know, for some experts. Um, and how do we actually just continue to grow your business and plan um, plan things for the future that allow you to to increase profits without, I guess, without adding complexity to your business? So, you know, in, in our own business, we do profit sharing models and stuff like that. You know, we're always searching for strategic partners in order for us to you know, tag into other markets that we're not really actively working in. How do we actually leverage other people's markets? So um, expansion growth really kind of, it's just like you said, it's like versus always chasing something new, which is expensive, it's stressful, um, it's time consuming. Um, and, and there's a lot of trial and error, you know, I mean, look at Facebook ads. When you start running an ad right now, the algorithm changes where <clears throat> something happens and it takes you, you know, 90 to, to 120 days to actually start like turning something that looks promising and then it falls apart again. So it's kind of like, you know, if you're, the idea of expansion growth is, is that, you know, you're paying, you're paying to capture an audience. You're, you're struggling, you're paying time, energy, you know, bandwidth, money, everything um, to capture an audience, but yet you're relying on sales and happy with a 30% conversion and then letting the rest of them fall apart. So what can we do with that 30%? If your conversion rate doesn't change, what can we do with that 30%? Once we get that fixed, now let's fix, now let's figure out a different approach from, you know, your offer sequencing that allow us to actually expand that 30%. So it's um, expansion growth is a term, but it can take many different forms, obviously. Yeah. It's kind of looking at um, a different way of doing things. It's, it's kind of like, um, I think it was, I saw something, uh, was it Jay Abraham that, that said something along the lines of uh, your challenge is somebody else's opportunity and vice versa or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know, maybe um, you're a fan of one of his books. I think it's getting everything you've got out of everything you have or something. Cause it sounds like there's a similar sort of way of thinking around that, but it's, it's very much about the optimization um, looking at, okay, well I want to go into this market or this 
direction. I don't have mm-hmm. the capacity inside internally. So let's look for a strategic partner mm-hmm. and let's go and offer value to that sort of partner. Have you got any um, specific examples maybe um, that some of your clients have done that with? Um, yeah. So I have a, um, I have a management consultant client uh, that I've been working with for quite some time. Um, and, and, you know, they were big on, they're big on, culture they're big on um you know going in and and working with executive teams we actually needed we needed to be able to expand his offer within these organizations um and it wouldn't really make sense for him just to kind of jump from executive teams to doing all this other stuff again it's adding complexity so it's kind of like how can we actually take what you teach executive teams and actually find a partner that is um let's say you know focused on hr initiatives for for you know, emerging leaders. Okay. So working with companies to help foster, you know, kind of these emerging leaders within the organization and use your training to allow them to actually train these emerging leaders. Like you have been for the past 25 years of dealing with high level training for executives. So let's train them like they're executives already versus just, you know, kind of this, you know, future manager kind of work that's been going on. So to really kind of that partnership really kind of allowed them to, to one, allowed that HR person to get into the companies that, that he has already been involved in and allowed him to actually expand his foothold and value to the companies he's always working with. And then it also allowed him to actually attach himself to the companies that you know, they were working with that he had not been in yet, that hasn't even had a conversation yet. The sale, and there's, there's really no like pitching it, right? So there's no like lead time for sales because the trusted advisor is already implanted within that market. So just finding kind of creative, um, kind of, you know, satellite, satellite, you know, uses, I guess, for your sawdust again, you know, it's kind of like he's, he can go find more executive teams. That's fine. But where else can we actually utilize that expertise in a different fashion that makes sense to someone else's market? So. And so how, how would someone, is this an example of sort of looking at what you already have and looking maybe at somebody's either client base or past clients or network or something like that and looking at it and going, well, actually, you've got a number of these potential strategic partnerships that you haven't even thought about exploring, or is that something that would be a a new approach that you've done once you've done the optimization and that's part of the expansion? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's, it's cause that does, I mean, you have to have a pretty solid operating machine in order for you to start thinking about other kind of, you know, revenue streams like that, other profit centers. Right. Um, and because there is some management level in that, there's some there's some complexity. You have to have someone that's managing now someone else's network and what you are involved in with their projects. So it's not something that we would jump into immediately. It's something that you know once we actually have a again the profit model is working, we understand it. We know exactly how to fulfill on what we do and our expertise. And typically, I mean that's that's turning that's turning every bit of profit that, that, you know, that, that business wants, that the operator wants and needs or ever imagined. But now it's like, okay, so how do we actually future proof it um, by adding in future, you know, other revenue streams that really are kind of just gravy, right? Cause we want, we want the business, the core business and your core delivery and your core um, expertise to really be the functioning kind of, you know, hub. If nothing else failed, this is what's actually driving your business. You know, if everything else failed, this is what's driving your business. But yeah, mm. so that'd be, yeah, that'd be down because, the line. Yeah. Because I think it's all that is looking at those opportunities and, and, and how you go to market in a different way. And most people think, well, I need to go out and advertise or I need to, as you say, chuck ads on Facebook or, or anything like that. But mm. 
if you're able to take a look around and think, okay, well, who, who can I sort of add value to from a strategic partnership point of view? And Mm -hmm. how can I do this in a way that actually means that over time, as you, as you say, I I become future proof, but not just me, but the partners that are going to be involved in this, because it's almost like you're getting access to a number of different, to use my fishing analogy, um, rivers full of hungry fish. Mm -hmm. And you're doing that with that trust already built in Mm -hmm. from a partner. It's kind of like that access becomes an asset to your Mm -hmm. business. And it's also an accelerant because you don't have to go through that building of the trust and all the rest of it. And that is one of, I, I feel is one of the ultimate shortcuts to use a cliche of marketing. Yeah, because you you hijack all of that trust or that implied trust, and you can go mm-hmm. into a relationship with a bunch of potential clients mm-hmm. almost instantly. And and I think that's a fantastic way of looking at it. So, um, yeah, I, I think we'll, uh, we'll 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 look to explore a little bit more uh, on <laughs> this uh, once we come back from a break, which we're just going to do um, right now. And we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Hey, this is Adam. Hope you're really enjoying this episode of the Client Catching Podcast. Wanted to let you know about something I've just released. It's called A Quietly Powerful Guide for Professional Introverts and Curious Extroverts. How to Stand Out and Attract Clients in a World of Extroverts and Selfies. Now that is available on the listener bonus page, which is thinklikeafish.co.uk slash podcast gift. There's also a bonus video walkthrough of the guide itself that you can watch if reading isn't your thing, uh, which you'll, you, you'll get access to after you've, um, you've, you've got your copy. So take a look at that and let me know what you think. But before you do that, let's get back to today's guest. Okay, welcome back. We are talking to uh, Jake Alcas, who um, is the master at finding hidden equity in your business. So um, Jake, I know that you've, you've got something that's been recently developed and you're, um, you're rolling out at the moment. It's, um, it's a four-week profit ignition process. So do you want mm-hmm. to give us sort of what that looks like and what people get as a, as a sort of an outcome and a benefit from going through that and then what it could potentially lead, lead to for them in the business? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, four weeks, you know, typically the reason why we, we decided we could do this in four weeks is because, you know, that's about the amount of time we need to do it. If we <laughs> stretch it out any further, then it's probably going to be detrimental to, to your, to your speed and growth. Um, but yeah, four weeks, um, you get the full profit ignition process, which is um, immediate. You know, the first step is, is we come in and we find hidden profit. We find, you know, the hidden equity immediately within your business. Um, typically we can shine a light on, um, on uh, mismanagement of funds, overspending that, you know, for depending on how big the company is, how big the business is, can be anywhere from, you know, five to $15,000 a month. So we're talking about significant savings and people don't even know that they're actually, you know, this, it kind of comes from the story of people saying, yeah, I'm selling $30,000 a month, but at the end of the month, I'm not making any money. Well, it's not just disappearing, it's going somewhere. So we actually look at where it's going, um, and then and then look at the different spending and expenditure metrics and reflow that. Um, one is that that helps self-fund any kind of future growth you're going to do. So you don't have to really come out of pocket. You just stop doing bad behaviors in order to pay for it. So again, internal growth. Um, and then from there, we actually reconfigure the profit model. So we basically look at where you want to go, what kind of business you want to build. Um, and then we reconfigure the profit model and make sure that the business is actually operating and paying for all the functions required to do it 
um, outside of paying yourself, outside of all that stuff, it's actually managed and set up for strategic and, and sustainable growth, which is absolutely imperative for you to have. Um, now, most people, again, like to say they glaze back over financial stuff because, you know, no one's a real financial wizard. Most people aren't, uh, me, myself included. So we try to make it as simple as possible. And we've actually developed a stoplight system. Um, so once we have this profit model set, as you enter in what you're doing on a monthly basis, um, the system will kick back a red, green, or yellow um, call out for any kind of different metric, right? And so if something turns red, then you probably want to look at it because if you continue down that path, you're not going to hit your goal, you know, and the goal can be whatever you want. We, we map it out. Uh, if it turns green, don't worry about it. You're doing great. Turns yellow, you might want to take a look, right? But that allows people without any kind of financial wizardry to really kind of understand what's happening in their business from a financial standpoint. Um, once we have the profit model set, at that point, we look to now optimizing and maximizing your market and maximizing the, the, you know, the people coming into your environment. So we do that, uh, we call it you know, the offer landscape and dynamic sales strategy. And really, again, our focus is to have you come down to a single client journey, a single journey that you take every single person through again, A through Z, whatever it is, right? Every single person comes into that line, no matter what it is, but you can pop them in and start them in and stop them at any point on that line. So no matter what, that's from a management standpoint and a profitability standpoint, you know exactly how to fulfill because everyone goes through the exact same process. Um, and you get to but, systemize it and get better at the delivery and improve it over time. And, and just, yep. you know, that ends up being more and more valuable for the client as well. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. It actually increases in profitability as time goes on and the more people that go through it. Um, but again, you can, if someone, you know, someone's ready to take the full chunk and eat the whole elephant and let's say you're $30,000 for full, full journey, full, you know, full offer. Awesome. But typically people aren't ready to do something like that. So you can actually, from a diagnostic, you know, sales strategy, you kind of, you kind of start to, you know, customize where they would come in. One, it allows them to get excited about, about an offer because it's no longer binary. It's no longer, hey, this is what I sell, take it or leave it. Mm. And if they say no, then they're out and then they end up on some you know, emailing list or something like that. Typical how it happens. Mm -hmm. um, this allows you to say, okay, well, I understand your objections. What's going on? Let's figure out why don't we map out a way for you to get into this process? Because if you're on the phone with me, obviously you need my help. I want to work with you. I can help you. Where do we get, where's best for you to start? So you can actually move them up and down your fulfillment line and figure out where the best place for them to start price accordingly price, how you want, because the idea is get them on your sequence, get them into your environment, let them see how you think, how you operate, how you deliver and the value you bring. They have to at that point, remove themselves from your environment. And if you're delivering and if you are a valued you know, deliver, you know, of goods or services or expertise, that's a difficult thing for them to do, right? I mean, they actually have to say no to progress. So, you know, if you fail to do what you're supposed to do, then yeah, you're, they're going to bounce, right? But hopefully that's not the case. So, um, so it, once they get on the sequence, you can actually end up capturing much more profit over time than you would, even if they just came in at, let's say the full thing at 30,000, right? Because they understand, they trust, it's self-fulfilling, um, it's self-funding. Again, you're under, they're understanding now how money flows to the business and all, whatever it is. But it's, uh, it's really kind of a way for you to, you know, you know, lower your acquisition cost. Because again, if you're, if you're good with 20, 30 percent, 
conversion rates. Well, it doesn't change the fact that you might have spent $1,000, you know, or whatever, $10,000, $5,000 to be able to talk to 10 people, mm-hmm. you know, and then you close three of them, right? That doesn't change. So how do we actually allow them? It might not be you closing everyone at the full rate, but you're getting them onto your sequence and allows you to actually start lowering your acquisition costs. It's not a binary option. And so, um, it's given, it's given like multiple, uh, the, the term multiple foots in the door offers, but almost every single part of what you do is a potential foot in the door, which mm-hmm. most people tend to think, well, a foot in the door has to be a much lower offer right down at the bottom. And, uh, you know, I'm then going to have to ascend them all the way up into my service. Whereas what you're saying, right. actually, you, you've kind of reversed that and said, well, actually anything that I do can offer value in of, uh, in, in of itself. Mm-hmm. anybody can sort of depending on where they are they can start at any point mm-hmm. and it almost then would come around full circle as they mm-hmm. then ascend but it's not really ascending anymore it's kind of working into your own ecosystem as i call it but mm-hmm. yeah i think mm-hmm. that's a very that's a very smart way of doing it um, yeah and 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 the good thing is is that anyone that comes into that ecosystem or the environment or gets on your 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 sequence right they have the end in mind Right. So they're not just in to consume a single one off product. They're in to continue. So everything is always set up as saying, like, listen, this is gets us to the step that we need in order for you to move forward that allows us to move to the next, you know, step and keep going down the process. Um, and you use the word ascension, and which is typically used again with the value ladder kind of idea that everyone knows about. But you know, the value ladder, again, uh, people have asked us like, well, how's that different from the value ladder? Well, the value ladder is, you know, it's it's, do you want this? Yes or no. If they say no, okay, I have this other product. Do you want this? Yes or no. Yes, no, blah, 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 on and on and on until they bite or they just hang out and you're, you know, kind of this email thing. And, um, but all those, all those offers are again, separated. The fulfillment's different on them. The management's different on each one of them. Again, could have some similarities and congruencies, but for the most part, they are siloed and they're all offered at different times. So our, so our approach is how do we actually meet that prospect, that buyer, where they are right now currently in the buying phase in order to get them on your sequence? So it's fast, it's agile. It actually removes, the, it removes a lot of objections because if they're helping design their entry point, how can they object to something that they're designing? You know, yeah. um, Being part of the process rather than sort of being sold something that they're not right. entirely sure if they need, which you know, that old saying, we, we hate to be sold, but we love to buy. And it's, it's, it's such a wonderful approach of, of actually, it's not really selling. It's kind of helping somebody uncover their own challenges and mm-hmm. then saying, well, where do you want to go now? Right, right. And, and, and yeah, and, and that in itself means that you're not using kind of, you know, the known creepy scripts. <laughs> you're not, you know, you're not trying to do this emotional you know, just kind of beat down of, you know, well, what would, you know, you're, you're going to be homeless and blah, blah. I mean, all this stuff. Yeah, think about your kids and how this is going to work. And oh, you know, can you look at them in the eye if you, uh, blah, blah, blah. yeah, it's horrible. Uh, Some of well, I mean, my only thing is that like, what happens when someone says yes to that? Imagine the emotional stress that they have coming into your environment to start an engagement with you after you basically just told them if they fail, they're going to lose their house or whatever it is, right? People get really deep on those things. My thing is, it's like, I don't want to start an engagement with a client that's stressed out and scared like that. It's like, I want them to be absolutely excited and comfortable coming into what we're doing, you know? And, and it just, it, that already is starting to breed something that has longevity. 
that has, you know, that has, you know, a better relationship from, from the word go, right. People are excited, you know, cause it, it's just not that. So it's just a, um, it's a more fun way to sell. It's a much more fun cause you're not selling, you're helping, you're actually, you know, helping people by actually helping them. It's yeah. It's, it's a, it's a really, it, I think that's a brand new crazy idea, isn't it? Actually show how people, you know, help people by helping them. It's a, it's a crazy idea in this. It's uh, brilliant. This it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and, yeah. And do you find though that some people, this scares them because essentially what you're proposing is quite a dramatic shift or it may appear from the outside, a dramatic shift in how they would then go on to operate their business in spite of the fact that if they want to get to the next level, they have to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, our, again, we, you know, we like to remove complexity, right. And simplify, right. So while it seems like you might be adding or changing, what we're doing is that we're actually, <clears throat> we spend more time reducing bad behaviors and bad choices than we do adding new tasks. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, it's, and so once you actually look at it and you kind of see how, how, it's, how it's falling into place and how it's operating, we're actually saying like, listen, if you stop doing that, you, you'll be better. If you stop doing that, your business will, will progress. You know, instead of saying you need to do these four things, that's hard, right? That stresses people out. Like you need to do more. That's what people typically right now like to sell people because they feel like, well, in order for me to advance, I have to do more. Well, no, you just have to do it differently. And actually you probably do less because all that stuff is just, it's, it's a big ball of wires and you're not able to kind of get through it. So stop doing that. Um, yeah, it's focusing on the 10% of activities that will generate 90% of the results. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but yeah, it's, uh, we're not here to disrupt. Absolutely not. Um, sometimes you need disruption sometimes. I mean, again, if you to break a few eggs to make an omelet, yeah. And if your business is based on it and, you know, like I said, we might be doing things that, you know, once we remove them, it's kind of scary because you just, that's what you've done. But you know, the saying is like, what's going to get you there is not what got you here. You know, it's just like, if you, that's why when we're working with companies that are ready to jump, they understand that there's, there's a barrier that they can't see for some reason. Uh, it's slow to no growth. And, and they do, they need something that's going to allow them to go from the 30 to 70,000 from, you know, 50,000 to a hundred, you know, half a million dollars to, you know, comfortably breaking a seven figure mark. You know what I mean? So it's, it's. So how would someone know that they're at that point or, or what are the hidden dangers that are, are lurking underneath the surface that somebody might not be aware of that is telling them that that's where they are. So rather than looking at the hidden equity, you, you, I'm assuming that you may always also sort of, know a lot about hidden dangers having yeah. one of these businesses are yeah. there any common ones that people could actually start looking for quickly themselves to know yeah. that at this point? well one is it's kind of a lot of feeling <laughs> from a business owner standpoint again i mentioned it before it's like if you're sitting there and you're selling you know 20 30 you know thousand dollars a month um but yet you feel like you still can't get ahead right and you're you're haphazardly like you know paying yourself you know, maybe you're taking out a little bit of money and you're kind of saying like, I just don't understand. I have a, you know, quarter of a million dollar business, but I'm only paying myself $50,000 or whatever it's going. Um, also, if, if, you know, what we find is that most people don't have a, um, you know, a war chest or, you know, a, a cash account in their business that's constantly being added to, um, that's 
that's power. That's investable funds. Um, if you want to jump the gap and move to new ponds and take your business and really kind of give it a go, instead of just being an operator, turning it into a business, it's almost a requirement that you have those investable funds. Because if something goes bad during a growth phase, you need to be able to sustain your business for, you know, six months, you know, or more, right? Or if you just want to invest in something else, right? In machinery, whatever it is. Um, so if you don't have a cash account um, and you're trying to, trying to kind of grow, if you're trying to kind of piecemeal all these front end tactics and, and you know that, you know, your return is just not coming back, um, you know, and, and money's not flowing through. It's not, you, you're not feeling like you're getting paid. If you are hiring people, um, kind of contractors one off to help you and then finding that you don't have the money to pay them after three months, you know, and then you kind of go, well, I just kind of, it wasn't making sense. And so I had to get rid of them. You know, this kind of sporadic investment and in growth is a kind of a telltale sign and something that everyone goes through as they start to phase up. Um, but, um, yeah. So, I, you know, the problem is, is that a lot of people we talk to, for the most part, they're comfortable. They feel like they're comfortable, you know, because they do, they get paid, you know, but the business, if they really looked at it and said, I'm not a solopreneur operating a business that if someone pays me a dollar, I take that dollar and I take 30 cents of that and put it in my pocket. It's like the people that are actually going, okay, it's time for me to actually I want to run a business like this has to operate as a business, right? Because this is what I do, right? This is not a hobby. This is my business. So um, that's kind of where they, they start to kind of feel like they need to do something different. And, yeah. um, and yeah, that being comfortable is, is, is possibly the second, if not the first most dangerous place to be in um, maybe opposed to actually sort of, you know, a week away from uh, <laughs> not being able to make payroll for everyone or, or something like that. Right, right. You do, you get comfortable and you don't see what's coming. You don't see the, mm. the you know, the rocks that you're about to mm -hmm. crash into because the light, like, mm. the lighthouse is busted and you know, it's not shining. It's light. Yeah. Thing. yeah. So, um, I mean, let's just say that then it's that somebody was seven days away from crashing into those rocks mm -hmm. with your experience. Would you sort of suggest a way of somebody looking and going, right, okay, you've got seven days to do something here and you need to acquire, I don't know, three good clients. Is there anything that you would instantly say to someone that almost anyone can do, whether they're at this point or not, to then go, right, these are the things that I'm going to do to go and acquire those clients and I can re reasonably expect to do so in, in say, seven days? The best tip, I guess. I'm I mean, the first thing I would do is not looking at acquisition of new clients. I would actually look at how, you know, how, how can I actually add more value to the clients I have? You're, you're removing your need to go out and start a sales cycle, right? Which, I mean, seven days. Um, um, and that's, again, looking at the sawdust and, and finding how, how you can actually utilize other skill sets in order to expand your stuff. Um, you know, strategic partnerships, again, immediate, like we talked about, it's, it's a, you know, using that same idea of sawdust to go to strategic partners or find people. Um, again, you're removing that sales cycle because they have a, they have a network that you can tap into and you don't have to reintroduce yourself because you have their backing and their, you know, their table. Um, but um, other than that, I mean, you know, it's, it's not going out by dumping more money into marketing or anything like that. I think it's about um, understanding, you know, again, understanding your true value, what you have, what you can deliver um, and seeing where, where you can expand what you've already built. And, um, and if you had to do it from a internal profitability standpoint, I would actually 
do an immediate immediate evaluation of of you know labor of what you're spending if you're spending anything on labor um, as far as external hires or anything like that if they're really kind of you know if it's absolutely required and then software. Software is actually a huge one for a lot of companies and we've all done it. And I'm not saying that software is going to save your house in seven days and your removal of softwares, but it kind of gets you into the idea of um, immediate kind of, you know, kind of pullback of funds, you know, that and, you and that can be the same with any kind of expenses, um, subscriptions yeah. to, you know, all sorts of different things that we end up accumulating over time. And that's not just in business, that's in life. Right. Um, right. Every single subscription to tv channels and stuff that i right well once once the kids arrived i had to just stop chop, <laughs> chop them because you don't have time to watch tv um no, but it's, no. it's the same thing but you don't you that took me six seven months to actually decide and figure out because maybe i was holding on to my previous life and, and all yeah. that kind of thing but again it's yeah. the same sort of thing with a business yeah, I, but I, initially, like I said, I mean, removing softwares and subscriptions, you know, over time can recoup cost, um, but most likely it's not going to save you in seven days. Um, so the first thing I would do would be, you know, you know, again, the th sawdust theory of how do I actually impact the people that are already working with um, and and then, you know, immediate strategic partnerships. If you're doing marketing, you know, maintain or, you know, possibly pull back. Um, and then put more effort into some of those other things that have, um, yeah. you know, a, a lower lead time, I guess. Mm. So and maybe even analyze the marketing you've done and look at shifting mm -hmm. from something that's not maybe giving anything immediate at this point. And, and, and that's what a lot of people don't do. They don't look at the, or they don't measure or track the effectiveness of, of their marketing. So they don't actually know which ones are working. Right. Uh, right. Which isn't always a, isn't a ways to fix for uh, you know in seven days, but uh, and, and and I mean that's I mean that's a very good point. I mean going back to the people that you know that you can kind of they kind of know it's time and ready for for people like us is that you know if you've you know if you're not tracking this stuff if you don't have a handle on it, and, and tracking like Facebook ads and stuff like that is much easier than tracking your own profitability and your own business numbers because it's kind of just done for you and it's in the program and people look at, you know, this and they, Oh, ROAS and, you know, CPC and, you know, all that stuff. But, um, it, I mean, I, you know, I don't know why I'm still amazed, but most people do not have a handle on their, their business numbers. Right. So, you know, it, it, that kind of stuff is just extremely, extremely important extremely important you have to know it i mean if you if you if you don't know it you can't measure it and if you can't measure it, you can't you can't improve it you know so and your business is an asset and yeah. you need to know the value of that asset and your business contains multiple different assets and mm -hmm. you need to know what return you're getting on each of those assets and those assets can be all sorts of different things from your ip to your process to you know to, to physical locations to all those sorts of things so it's knowing how all of those work together because maybe one day you're ultimately going to want to sell this business Right. If you don't have a handle on, on the value of all of those, how are you going to expect someone to come in and actually put a value in it? Yeah. And get the kind of you know return that you want, you know, the 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 value that you want. So you can, you know, hang up your uh hang us, you know. Yeah. Leave one. Yeah. Day. Yeah, and that's I mean, that's also a very good point. I mean, especially when we're we're when we're talking with agency owners, people that actually own agencies, I mean you know, very rarely do we meet someone that says, Hey, I want to own this agency in 30 years. You know, they're like saying, I, I would love to grow this thing in, you know, five years, 
sell it, you know, and, and move on and do something else or, you know, do whatever they want to do. Um, so yes, I mean, mapping out and planning and knowing your numbers and starting that sales process, the preparation for that sales process now, five years in advance is like required, right? You can't just wake up one day in five years and go, I'm going to sell my business and, and have someone come in and expect to be happy about being on your end of that transaction. Cause you're not going to be, you know what I mean? It's just not going to be there. Um, if you can even get an offer that is not laughable. So it's kind of like, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a very important thing to do. And, and, but yeah, doing, building a business for sustainable, you know, growth is different than building a business for acquisition. And, um, and so, you know, understanding where you are, you can, you can hybrid it and kind of prepare for both. Um, but it's, uh, it's all the numbers. Yeah. It's just understanding numbers. Yeah. It's, uh, as you say, it's, it's not sexy until, um, until that day where you get acquired and, uh, you, you go and look at your bank account, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's, as, that's numbers. Um, it's not, it's not sexy until you see it. And yeah. then you're like, how, yes, give me that. I want I, that number. That's what, that's, what's going to happen if I do this, this, and this on a, on a monthly basis, daily basis. Yes. That's the number you're going to end up at. Yes, I want that. Now it gets real sexy. They can't unsee it. They love it. But if you, <laughs> everyone wants to ignore it at first. But yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's extremely important. That's awesome. So Jake, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. It's, it's been a fascinating. It's been a very different type of conversation to what I've had, but it's incredibly valuable. So if there is somebody listening and, and they're thinking, well, actually, to me that sounds sexy. I want you to show me my numbers. Is there, mm -hmm. where should they go to, to, to check out what you do and, and get in touch? Um, well, you can go to our website um, at theprofitignition.com. Um, we, you know, or reach out to me on Facebook. I love Messenger. I'm pretty much on there all day. Um, it's Jacob Olkus. Um, I'm sure you can drop some links. But, um, um, and then right now, and right now what we do have, and you kind of talked about before, it's kind of a ridiculous <laughs> value thing, but we actually do one-on-one -on -one, uh, multi-hour workshops with people. Um, and it's, I mean, it's crazy affordable. Um, it's private. It's one-on-one. -on -one, it's extremely, extremely valuable. Um, and people run off and, and start whole new trajectories in their business and change, change the face of their business just, just by doing these one-off workshops. And that's um, theprofitignition.com quick-action-strategy. So and I'll make sure that that's in the, uh, in the show notes because, yeah, when yeah. I saw that, as I said, I, I was like, how on earth can you do that for that? Because <laughs> it's, it's insane what, yeah, just what you're putting in that. Um, yeah. The amount of one-on-one -on -one time as well you know, yeah. to get access to, you know, your, your, your years of experience and, and, you know, your thinking and having that applied to your business for that kind of investment. It's insane. It's, it's a no brainer. I think that's, yeah. that's the term, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's an over, it, it, you know, it most likely will change over time, except, you know, it's fun. And like I said, I mean, I, we, we do this because we like being, we like feeling like we have a seat at the table and sitting shoulder to shoulder with people We're we're, we're one-on-one -on -one consultants, both of us. Um, you know, we don't do big group programs and stuff like that. So it's, it's just kind of how we operate and, um, and we can bring the most change to a business doing it that way. So right now it's worth it for us. So yeah, absolutely. Definitely go and, uh, if, if, if what Jake has been saying and, uh, you know, is resonating with you and you like the idea of increasing your numbers, which is ultimately what he's all about and, and not just really just the numbers, but making your business 
run like a much more smooth operating machine and actually enjoy the enjoy the ride along with it as well because mm-hmm. so many people they almost become a slave to the business and, and they just wake up every day hating it um, but they can't escape it so this I think is a way of, of, you know, doing so many things and it's, it's a unique approach. I've never seen anything like it and yeah, can't say enough good things. Go and check out what Jake does. Um, so yeah, Jake, thanks so much for joining us. Um, all I've got left to say is, um, happy fishing. <laughs> thanks Adam. Pleasure. Bye. Bye.